Good morning, I'm Frank Powers, and this is Lifestyle Tucson, the program where I speak to our neighbors, the people behind the scenes of our amazing organizations, small businesses, and nonprofits. Our friends are informing you how they serve our community, and they're here to give you updates on future projects. Well, let's make some old friends today. So our city music theater seeks to create a cultural hub that is uniquely Tucsonan by partnering with local artisans and businesses, as well as offering inclusive arts access to the entire community. This is the second time they're coming on. The last time they were here, I did a full rhyming intro because they were doing Seussical the Musical, but I'm not doing that today because that was tough. But today I'm joined by Drew Humphrey, Artistic Director of Saguaro City Music Theater. Drew, welcome to Lifestyle Tucson. Thanks so much. So glad to be here. I had a good time last time talking to your wife, uh, Miss Dina DiGiacento. So yep. we had a good time last time. If you want to learn a bit about the history of Saguaro City Music Theater, please go listen to the very first time we hung out. It's over on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, wherever you go. I want to talk about what you did just experience when you put on Seussical the Musical, because you just had that. And then we're going to talk about what's coming up in just a week with your next big production and what we're doing at Christmas, everything going on at Saguaro City Music Theater. So how was Seussical the Musical? How'd it go? It was... Um... It was incredible. It, it truly was. It was the first time uh, partnering with our educational uh, arm of our organization, Studio Arts, where we were providing 30 students tuition-free access to this amazing summer camp where we worked on learning about Seussical the Musical, rehearsed it. Um, they you know, did costume fittings. They learned about how to put microphones on. They learned choreography. They learned all the music. And they worked with um, hired professional artists in the community that not only served as camp counselors, so to speak, mm. teaching artists is what we called them, um, but they got to perform alongside them. Uh, a number of students from the University of Arizona and other other artists from around the community. That's awesome. I didn't realize. Oh, that's right. There, there were like, you even got to have older students in there being involved because I asked how many adults were involved uh, when I was talking last time. And, and yeah, there's a few adults involved. It's mostly kids, but... Artists from the community getting involved and the kids getting to work with them is so important. Yeah, this is like the our, our passion was to merge our professional side with our educational side. Yeah, and this is the program that we've first ventured in doing that. Um, and so it was really exciting to see how this inclusive environment for the kids was also such a valuable experience for the artists that we hired. Um, navigating, you know, each child has much different needs mm -hmm. and um, creating an environment where they all felt um, useful. They all felt that they were, um, they were engaged and where that sort of, you know, where those, those roads crossed with the teaching artists and those professional performers, they still had a job to do. They still had a show to put up that was going to be entertaining and engaging and would entertain an audience member, whether or not they knew anyone in the show, right? That, that, that was one of our other parts of the contract was with the community is that if you went and saw Suzical, you were going to be entertained. It wasn't like you were just seeing your best friend's child's dance recital, which we've all been to and we're there to support. But it isn't always how we'd want to spend a Saturday afternoon. Um, so we really wanted to make sure that Suzical the musical was also um, worth the entertainment dollar. Uh, and so hiring professional actors to work with with the kids that were in the camp was not only a way to, you know, ensure that this show was of top quality, but that the kids were exposed to performers that were making a career out of it, that they could see that that is something they could aspire to do. 
I think that that's the most important thing that a kid can learn. I remember uh, what inspired me when I was a kid to be a cartoonist. So I'm a cartoonist, but I remember I watched a CBS special about Garfield and there's Jim Davis talking to all these other creators. And I don't know, it's mm. just him talking to some old people, but then there's a montage of them and they're drawing Kathy, they draw High and Lois and then someone draws Superman. And I realize, oh, oh, adults do this. Adults draw this for a job. And that's when I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up in second grade. And that's why exposing kids to this stuff, especially entertainment and and performing and getting that out to see if they maybe have even a gift or a calling toward it, something they feel, you're not going to get that through watching TV, reading a book. Right? You have to go do it. You have to go experience it and just dive in. Well, that, that was, I feel like, the opportunity that, that was provided me when I was a kid growing up here in Tucson is is there was a an old a, a a musical theater company called Saloc, Southern Arizona Light Opera Company. It was a long time ago, maybe 20, 20 plus, close to 30 years ago. And I was in middle school, working into high school, and, and what they would do is they were producing these large-scale musicals where they would bring in talent from L.A., New York, and Chicago, and directors from out of town, and they would hire a portion of the company locally. And as a kid... I didn't know that there was a way to have a career in musical theater. I didn't mm. know. I didn't even know what that meant. Right? right. I just knew I liked theater. I knew I liked telling stories and being in that environment and seeing those, those adults that flew in from out of town. And this was their job. This was how they paid their bills was singing and dancing. It was like, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it enough to do it, you know, in middle school. Yeah. I think I want to do this for a career. And it, it set me down this whole other trajectory of like, how do I get from where I'm at now to where they are? And I had to see it to know that it existed. And to even just give a, a little bit of that in, in our programming was, was very much the goal. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, we've, you know, we've got our, our professional side of our organization, which is, you know, where we're producing Little Shop of Horrors coming up. But, mm -hmm. you know, that has a very specific goal of providing top tier musical theater entertainment to the people of Tucson, but to, to I like merge that, that. You keep saying that. Actually, let me let me jump on that because I tell this to people. I'm surrounded by tons of creative people, and sometimes they take it a little too personally when they don't get that support from a friend or or a family member. And I always remind them, like your friends are not your fans. It's up to you to actually get strangers to care about your creative thing, because that's what it is to be successful. You'll get more support in a way for your creative endeavors from acquaintances, from people that know of you, and people that kind of know you. And then they're the ones that do want to go see you in a play. Right. Whereas your brother is like, what, are you going to play? He doesn't like plays. He's not interested in plays. It's not his job to go see a play. My brother doesn't read comics. I make comics. He's never read my comics. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right? It's not his job to read comics. Like, right. that's the thing. So I love that you are really sending that message because it's important to make a creative project so good that the public at large, total strangers, are like, this is an amazing thing. I don't know anyone in it. But it's amazing. That's important. Right. I mean, it's a different conversation to have with the community, too. And, and that's that's one of the things as our organization grows and and gets the word out is is that we have to continue to have, you know, totally different conversations. One is, you know, our dedication to inclusive arts education and offering it tuition free because we truly believe that there shouldn't be a barrier between a child and the ability to learn more about self-expression and humanity and the way other kids function in their in their life and in creating an environment where that can all interact is something that we are you know actively fundraising for and and, and sending that message that says 
this programming can grow as the community wants to support it or believes that we deserve to have it. And the the conversation about, you know, producing musical theater and getting people to, you know, spend their money on a ticket to go out on a Saturday night is a different conversation because you want to you want to make sure that their time is valuable and that you've prepared a show and you've prepared a space that they're happy that they went out and did that, that that's how they spent their, their time and their money. Um, those are just separate conversations, but where they, where I feel like they meet is, um, is where the community decides what we want to support. Right. And, and it's just, you support it in a different way. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think theater companies are like a museum problem or a roads problem, right? Museums and roads don't make money for, you know, they're, they're not, um, revenue generating mm-hmm. in a way that they're sustainable, um, generally speaking, right? So we as a community come together and they go, we deserve to have beautiful things in our lives, like museums. We deserve to have art. We deserve to have artists. We deserve to have um, people that help hold up the mirror to ourselves so that we can understand ourselves and we can understand our neighbors better. Um, and that's not always the most lucrative endeavor, just like paving roads. Right. You know, but we deserve as a community, we decide at some point we deserve to have this. And then we go out there and, you know, the people that that have the means, that believe that, um, we try to meet and, and, and invite them to our story. And, you know, if you're a ticket buyer, you're doing that. Yep. You're supporting and in that way. You're supporting kids that are performing, which is huge. The round of applause you're going to give those kids at the end of that production, when you feel it, is going to resonate with them perhaps for the rest of their lives. Oh, watching watching those kids on, you know, seeing the, the audience erupt. And, and you asked how it went. You know, we we sold out our last performance in, in the Burger Performing Arts Center. Which Standing is room only. 500 seats. We were turning away people at the door that, that, you know, were just kind of walking in to see if they could get a ticket. Um, and we, we sold strong the entire weekend. So hearing that crowd erupt and seeing the faces and the kids on stage that for the, for the first moment, we're kind of a, a, a number of them experiencing for the first time, what it's like to hear strangers applaud and cheer for something that they're doing. It's, it's that, um, that reward that is not McDonald's. It's that reward that is not a toy. Mm-hmm. It's that reward that is not, you know, ice cream after something. It's just hearing support. Yeah. And feeling it. Because feeling it. Yeah, you can't when help you're on a stage, it. you can't help but feel that energy. I remember the first time I felt that energy when a crowd applauded and it was uh I was dressed as a pirate. I was Captain Oblivious of the mm. SS Ridiculous, singing a, a fun, fun song for the return of the mermaids. And it was, and I gave out a hundred sheets so the kids could sing along. And I made a parody song of, uh, of Under the Sea called It's a Wet Heat, oh right? All gosh. about Tucson. It was so silly. And when I got done, because everyone knows the the rhythm of Under the Sea, mm. everyone knows, and we know how that song ends, like, da 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 and it ends with the big note, da 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 Everyone screamed at the same time. Oh, it practically knocked me down. It was only a hundred or something kids and people. Yeah. I practically fell over because I felt the wave of energy. Oh my gosh. And it was incredible. You can see it. It almost becomes like a secret that the kids discover. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and I remember that's what it felt like to me is like, I, I felt that support. I felt that rush of energy, that, that, that feeling of confidence that like I could probably do anything. Yep. And 
it it was just from an audience reaction. Yeah. And until you experience that, it's you don't really know it exists, and that that's like a secret that is unlocked. And yeah. You know, that feels pretty good. And don't forget, I think I want to do that again. Yeah. And don't forget, there are there's a whole group of people that do know it exists, and it's the athletic kids get sure. to get in front. Yeah, absolutely. Of all the crowds, and they are adored. Mm -hmm. But if you're an indoor kid, one of the ways to come out of your shell is through some of this performing. It's through escaping into a character. It's through using your art skills to be the guy that does the sets. Mm -hmm. That's how I first got involved in performing arts back in like eighth grade is I did the sets. And then I was, because I was scared. I had stage fright. And I end up, uh, I'll do a small role. And I played Uncle Henry in The Wizard of Oz. And then I was like, this is actually pretty fun. I'll be an extra as well. And I did the sets. And then... We're off to some of the races of like, I like being outgoing. Mm -hmm. And I realized how much I liked being outgoing. And I've just been flexing that muscle for years and years and years. Yeah. You know, um, this said, I think I asked you one question and we've been off to the races for half the show. Let's <laughs> get people to the show. Yeah, great. Yeah, let's do it. The show we're talking about when the Saguaro City Music Theater presents Little Shop of Horrors October 13th through October 29th at the Burger Performing Arts Center. It's over 1200 West Speedway. How many shows are you putting on over uh, the weekends? 12 performances. 12 so of them. It's three lots. weekends of, of four shows. There you go. Three weekends, Friday four shows. Friday Sunday. Perfect. Two on, two on Saturday. We've okay. got, you know, matinees. On Saturday and Sunday. All right. You can get all this information right there on their website. Tickets start at $25 with reduced rates available for group sales, preview performances, things like that. And in fact, if you buy two tickets to your uh, this show and then Matilda's coming up in uh, December, mm -hmm. you save a little money on that. So that's pretty fun too. So you can look up right now, get involved and get to the show because Little Shop of Horrors is opening up this upcoming Friday. It's going to be such a big deal on the 13th. And then on December 22nd through January 7th, Matilda the Musical is going to be happening at the Burger Performing Arts Theater as well. So let's talk about what you've been doing for the next show, Little Shop of Horrors. How are you making this plant appear? Well, it's uh, <laughs> the, the plant. It's a series of four plants. Yeah. Right? So it's four uh, four puppets that increase exponentially in size as I'm the play goes forward. Yes, puppets sold. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 truly incredible. And, and introducing the puppet into rehearsal is always um, it's it's curious because so much of so many of the performers had not worked with puppets before. Mm -hmm. So it building this character and the interaction of character on stage is is such a fun discovery in the rehearsal process. And the voice of the puppet is a completely separate character. So the puppeteer isn't voicing Audrey too. Really? So the voice of the puppet is in a sound booth off stage okay. that's watching the show on a monitor. So good. And um in working with the puppeteer, the puppeteer's working with the, you know, the voice, you know, 30 feet away from each other. Incredible. Yeah, so it's it's really fascinating. But what, what's been really interesting is the the voice is just as important as the motions of the puppet. And but what I find as a director and in the the actors that are working with the Audrey too, the puppet, is that the the poor the poor actor that is voicing um, Wesley Geary is is the actor's name and he's terrific. But no one ever makes eye contact with them, right? Because they are, you know, over on the side, and you're trying to develop a, a truthful, unique relationship with this puppet. Mm -hmm. Because if you make that real, it becomes real. Hundred percent. That's the that's the magic of theater. So this poor actor is is trying to like, you know, connect as as an actor would want to do, but they're you know, 
10, 15 feet away in the rehearsal studio. That's so interesting to do it live. Like, I'm sure that even that experience for him is just so oh. wonderful and unique that he'll always be able to talk about. Yeah, I, I, we went through like three rehearsals and I, I, I walked away from the third one and I go, you know, I haven't really talked to Wesley that much because I was directing the puppet. That's amazing. And, um, <laughs> and like also... Wesley's fantastic. So there wasn't a lot of things that needed to be tinkered with in those three rehearsals. So sure. like, you know, he was already kind of in the pocket, but I realized I'm, I'm not, I pulled him aside and I go, we haven't talked much. <laughs> how's, it, how's it going? Yeah. You're one of the central figures of this entire musical and we've not talked much. Isn't that And incredible. And I just asked him how the process was and he goes, you know, thankfully he knows a lot of our, our, you know, leading actors okay. that he's playing against. And he goes, if I didn't know them before this process, it might feel a little weird because no one's looking at me. Sure. But luckily he he's already got outstanding relationships with um, Danny Fapp, the, the gentleman playing Seymour and yeah. Kendall Hicks, who's playing Audrey. That's amazing. So, like I, it's something I like. So I love puppets and I'm, I'm a little pu- bit of a puppeteer and I have puppets in my act for kids and stuff uh-huh. that I do. I always love to emphasize how important puppetry is, and especially like Jim Henson and what he did bring us with mm-hmm. the Muppets. If we did not have the Muppets, puppetry itself might have gone away the same sure. way that ventriloquism and, and some of those old things and things like the Thunderbirds, marionettes, they went away. If you don't have a champion for an art style, it can disappear. And what Jim Henson did for puppetry, where the, the Muppets appear on Hollywood squares and the Muppets appear mm. And interact with celebrities as if they are celebrities. Right. I'm so excited to hear that it is puppets because I was wondering if it was going to be 2D. I was wondering if you can do 2D stuff with with uh, the giant plant. Yeah, no. It's, How it's, big? So it gets gigantic? Yeah, it's, it's like kind of parking a, you know, a Volkswagen Beetle <laughs> on the stage when we finally get to the, you know, the fourth puppet. Heck yeah. That's yeah. what I drive, so I know what that feels yeah. like. That is fantastic. I'm so excited. With this event coming up, like what are you, I think, most excited for for it? For Little Shop, well, I, I think it certainly attracts a different audience. True, right? Yes. Um, you know, the everyone has kind of a different, you know, history with with Little Shop of Horrors. I, I I remember when I saw the Rick Moranis yeah version of it when I was a kid, and yep. it was kind of exposed me to this idea that there is musical theater, you know, singing to further the plot line and all of that, and um, you know, so I think that people interact with Little Shop you know, throughout their childhood in a different way. Yeah. You know, so there's like a nostalgia attached to it that that everyone relates to in a different way. And and for the people that haven't ever seen it, um, it's kind of a perfect, you know, perfect piece to introduce them to musical theater because it's catchy music by Alan Menken. Who could go wrong with Alan Menken who wrote, you know, um, The Lion Mermaid and like just wrote, wrote our childhood. Yeah. Is kind of, you know, wrote the songs of our childhood. Yeah. And so you hear the this music and it just feels familiar even if you've never heard it before. Um so that that's exciting. I'm also excited to to see how the piece reacts with the audience because it it's this fun it's this fun show with this ridiculous puppet, but it's also Goethe's Faust. You know, it's this Faustian tale of <laughs> of, you know, yeah. that's like deep yeah, you know, deep history of of like literature. Yeah, that is like embedded into it. That is, it is all based on, and and that's what I always find fascinating about this show too is that it can feel not superfluous but light and mm-hmm. and thin until you start getting through it and you go, I can relate to that. This is where I may have, you know, sold out my morals or my ethics to get something that I wanted, mm-hmm. and I paid a consequence for it, or I lost a bit of myself in it. 
And that's a story that we can all relate to. Yeah. And it's lovely that it's packaged in this this way that it still makes it accessible. And it's not like going to the theater to take your medicine or feel bad about yourself. Yeah. You know, you can enjoy it through the eyes of Seymour and Audrey and this plant that that is enticing people to do the wrong thing. Make the wrong choices. We didn't even have the term gaslighting back then, what Audrey II is doing to him. That's right. <laughs> so right. much. Let's talk about Christmas a little bit, too. Yeah, let's do it. So let's do it. Matilda, we're going to see that December 22nd to January 7th at the Burger Theater. So tell me about Matilda. We all know this famous movie, and it's a famous Roald Dahl book. He wrote James and the Giant Peach, correct? Right. Yeah. Um, tell me about Matilda, the magical girl, and what this musical is going to be about. Because, again, very different now from this one. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, when looking for, you know, as on, on the artistic director side that, that I also said, I'm directing Little Shop, but um, when I'm thinking as, as an artistic director, what can our company present or program that is going to, you know, kind of balance different points of views, uh, we're looking at this, you know, this holiday slot that mm-hmm. we enjoyed last year with uh, It's a Wonderful Life, a live radio play that, you know, collecting our audience back during the holidays and finding the right piece that isn't necessarily Christmas centric. hundred percent, you know, and, and Matilda kind of has this family feel and this triumphant feel of, uh, you know, of a strong little girl who uses her imagination to escape the things that, that trouble her. Yeah. You know, and, and there, there, there's something about that that feels wholesome and something that also feels nostalgic that, that we can collect people together for over the holidays are you excited to like come up with ways to display the magic oh absolutely and and you know uh we had our first meetings with our director who's uh, a a wonderful artist out of chicago named mandy modic who's going to be coming in and directing and choreographing um matilda and had a meeting yesterday with with her and the set designer which is a set designer we've we've hired out of new york to to create what we're going to see on stage. All the sets are built here yeah. by by local artisans and, and scenic painters and, and I, all of that. I watched a lot of the behind-the-scenes video of you making susicles mm-hmm. props, and it was so incredible. I love the buildings for this upcoming one for Little Shop. They look great because I love comics, and yeah. I love the way they're illustrated. They look amazing because I got some of those uh, preview pictures you showed yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, it's all in the, it's all in the mind of, of our of our set designer, Kyle Dixon, and then it's translated through our, our technical director and then onto local artists that that translate that to its reality, yeah. which is so exciting to see that go from a sketch on page to, you know, a 14-foot tall painted building yeah. um, that arrives on, on the stage. It, so we're very excited to, to get that that conversation started between the director and the scenic artist. No, it's huge. So... Again, we talked last time. I talked about some of your camps last time on a previous episode. So if you want to get more information about some of those things, you can. Go listen to those episodes because we're running out of time here because we had such a good time chatting. But real quick, you talked about how it's tuition-free. Tell me about Showtime and how you get these tuition-free programs going for these kids and how kids can get involved. Absolutely. So the tuition-free is the thing that we're most proud of. When we endeavored to offer children's programming or, or inclusive arts education, through studio arts, it was um, the utmost importance that we were finding a way to fund it so that it was tuition free. You know, we we ask our participants to make a refundable deposit so that people just don't sign up and then never show up. Right. Um, but that refundable deposit is is really just a way to ensure participation and is refundable. So it, you know, the the tuition free is the most 
important part to make sure that there is no single barrier mm-hmm. between a child and and participation. And we we do that by reaching to the community, that people that believe that arts education should be accessible to everybody. Yeah. And we tell them we tell them how important it is. We 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 share with them what we're able to do when they support a program like this. And then we open it up to the community and and we've we've really discovered that so many of the kids that are able to join the program otherwise wouldn't be able to afford to be to go to another program. Right. You know, our arts education is expensive and our programs are 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 well funded. Um, you know, mostly, you know, we're always looking for more funding because mm-hmm. we want to expand our programming and we want to offer it to more kids. But it's it, you know, it's amazing that that so many of the kids that we're able to reach probably wouldn't be in an arts program otherwise. Yeah. You got you to get a lot of these kids. They need to step up and offering them opportunities like this is the best thing you can offer because it's the thing that we will always need wherever we are, no matter what age we are, opportunity. One of the things that we, we try to talk to people about, you know, the, the people that believe in this foundations, you know, when we talk, you know, when we're writing grants, when we, we're looking for the, the funding, the financial support to do this, you know, it's an investment in ourselves. It's mm-hmm. an investment in our, our own, our own children, you know, because if you change a child's life and their trajectory of what they believe they can do, it can change how they contribute back to society for a lifetime. Yeah. You know, um, I've got, you know, 20 plus years of professional musical theater experience and I love it. It, it was a career for me. And as much as I would love every child that goes through our system to, aspire to do professional musical theater, really what I'm more excited about is how can I be a, a source of good that their lives change for the better, that they interact with maybe a child that has um, a challenge or a disability and they're now, it, you know, they're able to interact with that child without being phased by the equipment that they might use to navigate their life, that it becomes, um, you know, in an experience that they are able to, uh, you know, have more humanity to things that they have not seen before. Couldn't we all exposing anyone to that is is what it takes. You just got to mm-hmm. make people more comfortable by being around other people, being around other people in different situations, and learning about each other. Right. And that's the best thing about kids is that they make friends pretty easily, a lot right. easier than these adults. So getting them all together in a room is life changing because you never know if they're making a friend forever, that's especially right. when they experience something as impactful as putting on a big show like that. Well, you, you, you're putting them in a situation where they all are sharing the same goal, yes. which is we have the same story to tell and yeah. I'm going to contribute this because I can, and you're going to contribute that because you can. And together we're going to combine our gifts to tell the same story. It takes away whatever differences there are because you're sharing the same goal, yeah. the same end game. That's, I really <laughs> do feel like this conversation is honestly one of the best interviews I think we I've ever had on this show. Oh, thanks, this was Frank. so much fun, Drew. Thank you so much. Because today we made friends with Drew Humphrey, I think for real, artistic <laughs> director of Sorrow City Music Theater, using the art of musical theater to promote diverse artistic opportunities and community involvement. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Heck yeah, this was Lifestyle Tucson. Bing bong bing, time for a recap. Three weekends, four shows, lots of opportunities to go see Saguaro City Music Theater's presentation of Little Shop of Horrors. Can you tell that I had one of the best conversations ever? Becoming friends with Drew for real, I think. It was just like that moment in Step Brothers where it's like, did we just become best friends? Yup. So that was pretty great. 
So I was really excited to have that conversation and really excited to talk about this great thing as well as what they're doing with Matilda over in December. Go get all the details over at their website, which is saguarocity.org. You can follow them on Instagram at SagCityAZ and you can go donate over on their website as well. I've said it before that there's nothing I love more than a ragtag group of kids getting together and putting on a show. And that's exactly what this is. I can't recommend getting your kids involved into theater and performing arts more because it does give you some skills that do translate to the boardroom as well as other life skills. So really, if you can look into some of these great opportunities that Sparrow City Music Theater is offering because maybe you're gonna find the dream calling that uh, your kid needs to see or experience. That's what happened in the last episode. So again, go ahead and give that a listen as well because Saguaro City Music Theater, it's just a good story to tell. So I do want to thank our new friends at Saguaro City Music Theater for joining me today. You've been listening to Lifestyle Tucson. For more information about our program or to listen to something you may have missed, go to the Sunday Mornings page on klpx.com, kfma.com, mixfm.com, or espntucson.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are being fed human blood. Ah, it's October. I'm your BFF, Frank Powers. Toot, toot, Tucson. I love you the most.